This is the Faith Ventures Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, telling stories of Christians doing business for the glory of God. If you appreciate this program, support the nonprofit work of LCI by donating at libertarianchristians.com slash donate. And if you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at libertarianchristians.com. Today we have joining us Mr. Nick Gausling. He is a wonderful friend of mine. He's been involved in LCI for a number of years, and it was, in fact, our first executive director of the organization. And so he's been also an active businessman for all throughout his professional life. And so he's here to tell us a little bit about his life, his business, and what he's doing now. So, Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here. So to start off, I'd like you to talk a little bit about your career journey and you know, give us some of the big highlights of your career and What's been most important to you through it? Yeah, so it's been pretty eclectic. And in, in retrospect, in many ways, it feels like it was largely unplanned, <laughs> the twists and turns that it took. When I was younger, I had always planned on being an attorney, like from the time I was five or six years old, if, if you can believe that. I know and, the feeling. I was kind of there too for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was always the game plan. And then when I got into college, I, that just sort of went away. And I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. So by the time I got out of college, I didn't really have a, a particular plan. I had a history degree, which in retrospect is probably not all that useful in a business context. And so I didn't really know what was going to happen. And so I did odd jobs and things here and there for a couple of years and was really focusing on the politics of it. You know, this was uh, around the time I started becoming a libertarian and I was kind of in the whole, uh, hey, the world's going to end if we don't get libertarian policies enacted right away mindset. And so I really kind of didn't think about my own career very much. I was focused on politics, which, you know, that was probably not a good idea. But then after I kind of got out of that a little bit, I found myself in what we call retail finance, which is basically like stock brokerage, insurance sales. Uh, and financial planning. I did that for a while. You know, I was good at the technical side of it, but I didn't really like going out to sell those particular products. Uh, but it did teach me a lot about business and how to understand the finances of a business. And eventually I wound up working for um, a, a guy who I had worked with through politics, but I actually met him through a relative. And he was the CEO of a bottled water manufacturer in what we call the premium functional beverage category. And he kind of brought me in to sort of be like an analyst, but I wound up becoming his right-hand man. And so was essentially chief of staff for that whole organization. I went from there, started my own company with a friend, and we did financial services because we both had a background in that, and then wound up expanding out into venture capital and doing a lot of startups and that sort of work. And uh, this was like in the latter years of that is also around the time that I uh, came into to work with LCI as well. And then eventually I was recruited over to Mattress Firm, which is the largest specialty mattress retailer in the United States, uh, working with Josh Feinberg, who's also on the in LCI leadership. He's now on the board of directors. And so Josh was my boss for a number of years, and I helped him run the Northeast division of the company. And then that later expanded, and then we moved over into e-commerce and 
sort of R&D and customer experience. And so I got to really hold leadership positions in all these, these kind of new and interesting and critical areas of the business. And uh, now I'm an independent consultant. Uh, so I actually resigned last year and have been doing uh, independent business consulting, focusing on uh, business-to-consumer companies that are specialized, so specialty retail, direct-to-consumer, that kind of thing. And that sort of brings us up to today. That's really interesting. So you've made some kind of shifts throughout your career in order to kind of facilitate better specialization, moving on into different categories, and I guess becoming ultimately a better class of businessmen, if you will. Does that kind of sound right? Yeah, well, I mean, I always kind of just looked for where the opportunity was happening and gravitated to that without trying to necessarily force a particular industry or outcome. I just, I enjoyed business and I just looked for where the opportunity was. And that just wound up taking me through a very diverse path. Awesome. Well, we both know that there are a lot of Christians out there who have some measure of confusion, maybe small, maybe large, about the way business runs and the way free markets operate. And so I'm curious, from your perspective, what do you find are some of those misconceptions that Christians have about the nature of business and being in the free market, trying to earn money and serve other people? What do you kind of identify there as some of the key challenges? Yeah, so, I mean, there's probably quite a few, and it also depends on uh, sort of which side of the political spectrum the person you're talking to is in. But, you know, most of these criticisms tend to come from the left. And, you know, I think sometime, really, I, th I think the intent is good, but the understanding is very bad. You know, there's this saying that we sometimes use in Austrian economic theory that uh, economics is a value-free science, which basically means it doesn't impose an ethic it's just sort of describing the way things are. And I like to take that and think, you know, economics is value-free, but business is really not a value-free thing. Business uh, can be used for good or ill, but in general, the tendency of the market is good. The, another misconception is that people think about competition and they think it has to be something negative, you know, but competition doesn't have to be a zero-sum game, especially when you understand the capacities of the market and the value that can be delivered and how it's elevated people's lives and prosperity, it's almost boundless. In many ways, I think it's short-sighted to view it as zero-sum. And a lot of what transpired in 20th century management theory uh, came from people who were sort of shaped in the backdrop of two world wars. And so a lot of the analogies were uh, militaristic. It was like business is a battlefield and you've got to destroy your enemy. But, you know, we're moving away from that, which I think is a positive development into really a more uh, kind of intentional and human-centered approach. And when I say that, I mean, you know, the, 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 the good of people, focusing on the, the good of people that can be delivered through the market and, and that's a really positive thing. It, 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 capitalism really is the most powerful force we have for elevating people's prosperity and, and, and lives. You know, it's certainly not the state. And, and one other thing I'll just throw out is most of America's businesses are <clears throat> what we call SMBs, small to medium businesses. They're, they're not these giant corporations. And that's not to say 
small business is all good and big business is bad. That's not what I mean. I'm just saying that when Christians think about business leaders, your typical business leader is like your neighbor. It's not some guy who's off in the ivory tower while you slave away at your job. It's like, it's your neighbors. It's people who are running local businesses. That's where the vast majority of the market activity in this country actually happens. Nick, I find your explication of kind of the, like the misconception about who a business leader is pretty compelling because I've been involved myself in a variety of different positions, ranging from being a really small intern in a very large business to being essentially second in command of a small startup company. Those are really appropriate comments is that business varies widely. And so I'm curious to have you unpack a little more there. Can you think of some examples that kind of highlight the way in which you've seen these misconceptions or these kind of issues that Christians particularly have in viewing the marketplace in your own career? Is there anything there that comes to mind? It's like, oh yeah, this was the example that really hit home for me or something to that effect. I don't know if I could say from my career examples specifically, but certainly people I've talked to or dialogued with over the years, people who tend to be, again, more, more on the left. And, and look, there's things we could also say about people who maybe come more from the right and who take kind of an attitude of, if you're here and you're my employee, you know, you better do what I say and I'm your boss. And if not, I'm going to kick you out. Like, and, and we can talk about how that's all. Management is obviously important. You need to have the capability to run your business. But that kind of attitude is something that is not very helpful or productive or loving. And thankfully, I think it's fading away. But, but most of the criticism we see is really coming from the left. And it's aimed at sort of business generally or capitalism generally. And they try to drag us into these class wars. But again, that just doesn't line up with the reality of how the market functions. You know, most of the economic activity are, are help, are, it's happening with just everyday people. And, you know, what's really interesting is when we kind of look at economic history, the corporation, as we think of it today, is actually pretty new in the grand scheme of things when you think of how long we have in, in recorded human history. I mean, for only a fraction of that, do we have the corporation? For most of the time, a, a, a lot of people, most people were entrepreneurs and tradespeople. They were trading locally and they were engaged in business locally. And that was just an everyday part of life. And absent, you know, the, the, the corporation's place in modern society, that's still a way of life for countless people, not only in the United States, but around the world. And so I just think we, we really need to reframe that, that, you know, there's not some, you know, terrible villain out there, Mr. John Business or whatever, who's, who's often is in his jet making these terrible plans to, you know, oppress the masses. Like, that's not a thing. You know, it's, it's really, the market is just such a beautiful, intricate, complicated thing composed of so many moving pieces. And that really is the great value of understanding the Austrian theory and human action, as Mises called it, really how all these things kind of just come together to help us produce and get food and shelter and clothing and technology and medicine and all these things. Like that that happens because of people collaborating in the market. And 
working together and trading. I love everything you're saying here. And, and it also comes to mind as well that like your militarism analogy or the way in which people sometimes think about that is really on point. And I think it maybe speaks to some things about the way in which Christians and many people think about business and, and the marketplace, perhaps in a more negative way than they really should. For instance, if my perspective is that the marketplace is a zero-sum game where there are only a group of winners and a group of losers, then that's going to affect the way that I view commerce in general. Whereas if we kind of turn that around and think about, well, wait a second, whenever I'm engaging in commerce, in, in a trade with somebody else, that voluntary action means that I'm, I am exchanging one thing that I value less than the thing I'm receiving. And when we kind of start with that as our analogy, then we realize that every time we're making that type of transaction, we're actually in kind of in an act of service. Now, it's not a, a zero-sum service, but rather a positive-sum service. And I think the kind of, I wonder if that would be helpful to people to kind of understand that in a more complete manner, and that would make a difference. What do you think? Yeah, you know, it's, I just thought of this as you were talking, you know, it's kind of funny when you think about sort of the ideals of the commune where you're supposed to have, oh, it's a society where everyone's doing a job and we're trading with each other, but nobody's getting paid for it. It's like, what's the point? Like the, the, we're trying to collaborate as a society. Money is the methodology that we use to send market signals and actions on how to value and allocate resources. But it it seems like if we could just get them to understand that the market voluntary trade and action is the best way to achieve the kind of peace and collaboration and unity that socialists are supposedly looking for. Yeah, I think that's very appropriate here as well. As we kind of draw this toward the end here, I want to give you an opportunity to, to kind of, I'm going to probably ask this question with almost any guests on our, on our show here. Imagine that you could go back in time and give your younger self some advice about work and business and, and your career, especially as it pertains to faith and what we believe as Christians. Is there anything you would, you would want to tell yourself and remind yourself about what the future holds? I would say a few things. First of all, <laughs> don't go into it with any firm plan thinking your plan is going to go exactly according to the way you've sketched it out because that practically never happens. Oh, so like a man plans his steps, but the Lord makes it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that verse is, I totally misquoting. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, when I think back to just kind of everything that I thought would be the path I'd take, it's, it's almost been completely different. And so, I mean, as far as practical advice, I would say we really need to reconsider how we look at college and higher education, at, particularly in the United States, but I'd say throughout the West. So, there's some great programs like Praxis, which was started by Isaac Morehouse, who's a friend of LCI, that, that really encourage people who are of college age to get out into the workforce. Like, I think we need to reevaluate the whole idea of going to college if it's something that you, you know, are not sure you're going to need. Like, if you want to be a doctor, an attorney or something, yeah, you need to go. It's just going to be re re required. But if you don't really know what you want to do or, you know, you, you want to do something in business, but you're not really sure, like, maybe you shouldn't go to college. Maybe you should try to just get into the workforce as quickly as possible. And there's a lot of great 
things now where education has been decentralized through massive open online courses, executive education programs, even from top institutions that you can get for a fraction of the price of going for a degree that teach you a lot of the same stuff. So, I mean, that would be one of the most important things I'd say to, to younger people. I would also say, take diverse assignments when you can, like learn different things, learn different industries and functions, particularly because the higher up you go in leadership, the more you need to understand how the different parts all fit together. And, you know, there, there's definitely value in specialization, but if you over-specialize and never learn how the different parts fit together, you, you make it harder to function the higher up you go. And the, the, the last thing I'll say is just kind of the power of networking. Almost all of the most profound and significant developments that I've had in business uh, have been driven because I, I was friends with the right person at the right time. And maybe that doesn't sound fair to some, but I mean, you know, really all you have to do is just meet people and add value to their lives, which is a, a good loving thing to do anyway. You don't have to go into it with an agenda. Just as you're going through life, just meet people and, and add value and find ways that you can connect them with other people you know or give them ideas. And just as you do that, you will naturally build a very robust network that in time will exponentially come back to you in a positive way. And that's one of the most important things I think that any business leader can do. Nick, those are great words and great advice for us to consider, especially for young people as they're considering the possibilities for their careers. And also just for those of us who are just continuing on with our regular business practices. I know that networking has been something I've been learning how to do better and better every year. And so I appreciate your thoughts on all of these topics and also for your encouragement to me over the years and, and to our audience here today with ideas that make a difference here for Christians pursuing good business in our communities today. So I want to thank you so much for joining us and thank you all for joining us here as our audience. So we'll see you next time. <music>